welcome to Author Visits, the podcast where writing is for everyone and writers can be all kinds of ways. I'm your host, Chrissy Wright. I'm a teacher, a writer, and a reader. Each week, I interview a kidlit creator you love. You've heard writing tips from your teacher, but how do real-life authors do things in their everyday writing lives? I ask the honest questions you need to hear the answers to so that you can put real-life writing tips to work in your writing today. Grown-ups are welcome to listen along, but this podcast is for the kids who are going to write us one heck of a future. Writers, I am so happy to welcome to the show today, Christine Day. Christine is the author of the middle grade novel, I Can Make This Promise. Christine, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Chrissy. Can you introduce yourself to the listeners and give us um, kind of the pitch for I Can Make This Promise? Sure. So I'm Christine Day. Uh, My first book, I Can Make This Promise, is about a young girl named Edie who finds this box in the attic filled with letters and photographs of a woman who looks a lot like her and who also shares her same first name. But she has no idea who she is because uh, her mother was adopted and she thought that there was no connection to her native family or the folks that do look like her and kind of might share her name, I guess. <laughs> and she, um, it basically opens up all these questions that she has about her mother's adoption and about where she's from and who she is. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell what it's about. It's about a young native girl finding her way back to that community and doing so over the course of a summer with her friends and her family. Awesome. So, Christine, one thing that writers are often wondering about, especially kind of as the school year gets kicked off and they're getting back into their writing habits, is how do authors come up with ideas for their books? Can you talk to us a little bit about how you come up with ideas? Sure. So, uh, my ideas kind of come from anywhere and everywhere. I guess you could say that, um, The things I write about are the things I can't stop thinking about. Um, For I Can Make This Promise, I was really inspired partially by my own family's history because some of Edie's journey is very similar to the journey that that I've been on with my own mother and my own family. Um, I also am really inspired by some of my own experiences. there was this one particular field trip I took when I was a grad student in college to the historic site of Old Man House, um, which is a, a big scene kind of towards the end with Edie and her family and taking the ferry across the Puget Sound. Um, you know, things that I've done, places I've been, uh, people I've known, pretty much anything that makes a big impression on me in some way. I could potentially turn into writing fuel. And um, yeah, I think it's a really kind of inspiring way to move through the world is the idea that ideas are everywhere 
and that there, every single thing around you has a story to tell, every object, every person, every place. And that's kind of how I try to approach my writing is by just imagining how rich how rich this story, like this place and these places are with stories in this world that we live in. So, yeah. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you are inspired by your own life, but then turn it into a fiction story? How does that process Mm -hmm. work for you? So for me, uh, one of the first things that I had to do was ask for my mother's permission to kind of write this story because I really, yes, I think so too, because um, this really is, you know, obviously I do fictionalize quite a lot, but um, the idea, and I knew that um, for marketing purposes, (laughs) my publishers, they would really want to be able to say, oh, this is loosely based off of the author's life. And Mm -hmm. that is, I think that that really can be a big draw to get people interested in the story but of course that also kind of puts a spotlight on my life and the people who matter to me that are in my life and so um I sort of asked for her permission especially first and then from there um I just muddled a lot of things in fiction to the point where pretty much the only people who really know (laughs) the differences between what's real and what's not are like me and um, the people I know. And that is, uh, that's how I approached it. But I think that asking for permission is very important. And also if, if it's just an important story to you or it's something that did impact you or your family in some way, but you also know it impacted other people. Um, is and it feels like an important story to tell to just kind of go for it and to just you know try it out experiment and see where you feel comfortable creating and um yeah just having fun with it trying to have fun with it for sure (laughs) I love that now you wrote um, a novel, a middle grade novel, and this is something that a lot of kids are really interested in doing is writing kind of that longer novel length work. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about your process of coming up with enough ideas to carry a story through that many pages? How does the process work for you of going from kind of your seed idea or your picture of kind of what the big story will be to mm-hmm. then coming up with all those little ideas that live inside it? Sure. You know, this uh, kind of loops back to what I said before about how you just have to move through the world with this mindset that absolutely everything has a story and everyone has a story to tell. And so even the characters that Edie doesn't interact with too much um, or people that she'll maybe just see she won't even interact with them. She'll just like see them on the street or something in a particular scene. Um, I try to imagine that kind of her, her world, her fictional version of Seattle is really densely populated with people who have their own stories to tell and um, with places that have histories that are really rich and that I won't 
be able to really delve into every single little thing. Um, you know, I basically just try to bring that mindset and, um, again, just sort of have fun with it because you're right. It is a lot of work to create a novel length story. Um, it's a lot of words. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of words and it's a lot of small moments that have to add up to bigger moments. And so, um, yeah, I suppose just sort of, again, trial and error and seeing what works and what helps to move the story along. And um, just trying to find the best ways to say something. I think that when the settings are sort of speaking to what she is going through internally, or when the conversations that she's having with other characters like Uncle Phil or uh, Serenity sort of add up to or prepare her for sort of bigger reveals that are happening later on. Um, just thinking through a lot of that and um, coming up with ideas about how that can all fit together, it, almost like pieces in a puzzle. And um, yeah. And again, I also really do draw a lot of inspiration from some of my own memories and some of my own experiences. Like, um, you know, when she gets braces, I, I remember very clearly what that was like <laughs> and how, you know, sore my teeth were and how this is, it serves a sort of bigger, um, thematic moment, right. When she gets the braces, because the thing that really she recognized in the other Edith from herself was her smile. And so what does that mean? Um, you know, taking these really ordinary things like going to the orthodontist and getting braces, but turning it into something that's really symbolic and that really, um, mirrors the bigger picture things that are happening in the story you know it takes a lot of um just trying out and seeing what works but for me is certain scenes like that just fit so well and they're really relatable lots of kids get braces but also uh it gives us a moment to really think about the wider implications of what does it mean to permanently change your smile <laughs> Or what does it mean to um, recognize something in yourself, in someone else, that is going to actually change over time and might not be quite the same anymore? Things like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I could totally feel Edie's agony in the sections right. <laughs> where you were talking about the experience of getting her braces. And it was so mm -hmm. cool how that like physical agony was also connecting to how she was feeling on the inside as she was having mm -hmm. all of these questions. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so you mentioned that, um, you know, it takes a long time. It's a lot of pages. I'm guessing that sometimes writing a novel can feel hard. Um, can you talk to us about how you keep going when it's feeling hard? You know, I love this question because I think um, as someone who sits and writes every single day and practices every single day, and someone who loves writing very, very much, 
I think that writing is often more hard than it is easy. And, um, you know, embarking on a project like writing a full novel, that is something you kind of have to accept from the beginning. That it is often going to be more hard than it's going to be easy, but the payoff is going to be worth it. (laughs) And that um, it's just a matter of really finding a story that you love that much, that you are willing to sit and be with the same characters and revisit the same words and sort of live in this same fictional world for a very long time. And to put in the the work and the, uh, you know, sort of everything, everything that goes into it, it can be a really mentally and emotionally draining process. Um, to be candid, it really can be. But uh, again, it's just one of those things where it's like, sometimes the things that are hardest to do are actually the most worthwhile to do. And um, yeah, as long as you stick with it and keep practicing, keep trying, keep reading and writing, um, that's sort of the main thing. So as you're persevering through the hardship of the writing process, do you ever get help from other writers? You know, I... I do. I have a few writer friends who we will sort of cheer each other on from time to time. I also get a lot of help from my editor. She, um, my editor and my agent, both of them, they're sort of the people I work most closely with um, as I'm preparing my books to go out into the world and uh, the conversations that we have and how my editor has this really incredible ability to help me see the bigger picture sometimes when I t- start to lose it myself because I'm getting so, uh, I can get so wrapped up in the smaller scenes and in the sort of smaller interactions. And um, a lot of the things that are happening sort of on a micro rather than macro level in the story. And she, will help me sort of talk through, you know, again, sort of what ideas are helping the story along and um, what sort of scenes and moments are actually sort of taking away from the bigger picture. And so, um, yeah, it definitely really helps to have someone who is really nice and supportive, but also has the perfect sort of critical eye that you need because, um, you know, if you have writer friends who only sing your praises and only tell you how great you're doing, you actually probably won't learn and grow as much because, uh, everyone, no matter how advanced they are or how much time they spend writing, everyone has room to grow and to change and to become an even better writer. And so that's kind of one of the joys of it, actually, is the fact that it's this ever-changing challenge. And um, it is, you know, it's an art and it's a trade and it's so many things sort of wrapped up into one. And 
the thing about the written word is it can be so powerful and profound and um, everyone can wield it so differently. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. once you sort of find your unique voice and your unique way of sharing stories, but then also continuing to just grow in your own uniqueness, that is a really incredible journey to be on. So it definitely really helps to have friends. Fantastic. So I'm adding, I'm ending each craft talk episode with a little bit of a speed round where I ask each author the same three questions. Are you up for that? Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Let's give it a whirl. First question. Can you name, and you mentioned some of these already, but can you name three different feelings that you experience while writing? Yes. Joy. Um, aggravation, <laughs> yeah, and and um, freedom. If freedom counts as a feeling, <laughs> oh, absolutely, that's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Do you have a regular writing spot? If so, where is it? I do. I didn't always. Um, actually, after I bought my first house, that was one of the criteria is I have my own little office with this desk right underneath the window with my bookshelves behind me. And that is where I do most of my writing now. Awesome. And what are some of the places other than your desk in your office with your bookshelves that you find yourself also thinking about your writing? Uh, Everywhere. So I... Pretty much everywhere I go, I could be, you know, driving down the interstate. I could be out on a camping trip. Um, I could be out. When I was a college student, I was always daydreaming about my my writing ideas as I was walking between classes. Um, pretty much everywhere, you know. Whenever I take my dog out for a walk, anytime I'm sort of, especially anytime I'm like moving. When I'm actively moving from place to place, I find my mind wandering to my writing projects a lot. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Before we go, can you tell us a little bit about any upcoming books you have planned so we can get ready for them? Oh, I would love to. So my second book is coming to shelves January 5th, 2021. I am really excited about it. Uh, this, this book was, I feel like I I keep talking about how hard writing is in this interview and I don't want to totally (laughs) make it seem like, you know, I'm miserable or anything because I'm really living my best life. But I will say that this book was much harder for me to write than Edie's story, but it, really has a big piece of my heart. It is, um, yeah, I, I'm really, really proud of it. So I'm just so excited to share this book with all of my, all my readers. Um, it is called The Sea in Winter, and it is about a young girl named Maisie, who is a serious young dance student 
but she is recovering from a knee injury that has essentially taken her out of her ballet lessons uh, for several months by the time her story begins. And um, the story sort of follows her as she is still struggling through her recovery. And as she and her family go on a sort of midwinter road trip through the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State by um, the areas where her mother grew up on the Macaw Reservation. And, um, you know, so they're moving through these places and she's also really struggling with sort of her her moods and how she's feeling mentally and emotionally as well as physically with the pains and aches in her knee. And, um, yeah, so it's really, you know, it's a story about resilience and sort of overcoming different types of trauma and um, sort of finding strength through your family and community and the people who love you. So that's what... <laughs> this story is about in a nutshell and um it's another one that's also kind of personal for me because I uh did ballet lessons for 10 years growing up but eventually oh, wow. I had to stop yeah it was, a, oh. it was a great time but I eventually did have to stop because of yeah. injuries uh, and that sort of thing is really you know it's so common for young not only dancers but young athletes sort of of all kinds and um, I think that for the kids who are very serious from a very early age and who really do believe that this thing that they're doing is going to be the thing they will always do, uh, that can be a really difficult transition to go through is yeah. from having this, this passion and this, uh, you know, it's more than a hobby or an activity, right? It's something that they really like that's, her entire life, that's like where her friends are. And that's where she feels most confident, you know, and then to suddenly lose that um, is a really, it can be a really hard time. So that's sort of what inspired that book. And as I said, I'm oh, really proud of it, it sounds so good. I have pre-ordered <laughs> my copy and I can't wait to read oh, it. Thank you. <laughs> and listeners, I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can pre-order the book too and read it as soon as it comes out in January. Did you have any other releases you wanted to mention to us? Yes. So um, I also have a chapter book biography coming out next year on Maria Tallchief, who was America's first prima ballerina. And um, she was Osage. And one of the cool things about this chapter book biography is it's actually part of a larger series called the She Persisted chapter book series, which is a spinoff from Chelsea Clinton's best-selling picture book. Um, and so, yeah, Chelsea Clinton and her team brought in 13 women to write these biographies about the 13 women that are featured in that book. And I was lucky enough to be recruited to write the book on Maria Tallchief and it has been a total joy and an honor and a privilege to write her story because she lived a really incredible life. And um, I'm so excited to share her story and I'm so excited to read all the other stories of some of the other women who are included, like uh, Sally Ride and 
Harriet Tubman and Ruby Bridges. There's so many and so many incredible writers too. People I really, really admire that are included in this series. It's going to be great. (laughs) I literally cheered out loud when I saw it announced that (laughs) this series was coming and that you were writing this book. I can't wait. Oh, thank you. It's going to be great for early readers. Um, It's mainly targeted at sort of grades one to three, which is a little bit lower than middle grade. But oh my gosh, I've had so much fun to sort of thinking about that age group. And hopefully once it's safe for us all to gather again, to do events for that age group as well, it's going to be really fun. Oh, absolutely. Can you, uh, before we sign off, tell listeners where they can find you online to keep up with what you're doing and learn more about your work? Absolutely. So my handle is the same everywhere on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at by Christine Day. That is also my website, bychristineday.com. Fantastic. And again, I'll put links to all those places in the show notes so you can find them there. Christine, thank you so much for joining us today to talk writing. Thank you so much, Chrissy. I had a wonderful time. It was totally my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Author Visits. You can come back and join us on Thursday for a book talk bonus episode to hear Christine tell us about three kid lit books she loves and what makes them awesome. Support the show. Please subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and share the show on social media, especially taking a screenshot and sharing on your Instagram stories. Then tag me so I can see it. You can connect with me, Chrissy Wright, on Instagram and Twitter at Chrissy M. Wright and follow the podcast on Instagram at Author Visits Pod. I can't wait to learn with you and happy writing.